the greatest song of love. Let's turn there together. We'll be reading from the Song of Songs this morning, beginning in chapter 2, verse 8. If you're just uh, joining us this week, we've just uh, begun last week in this new series uh, in the Song of Songs. We are following what we are seeing as a, a single unfolding drama uh, between a young man and a woman who long to be together. They long for their sexual desire to be fulfilled in a way that brings uh, great joy to themselves and to the one who has given them this desire, uh, designed it to be so very good. So this, this love poetry, it's all about the desire. Um, we get these images that capture our attention, that elevate our senses. And, and my prayer through this, our prayer together, is that by the power of the Holy Spirit is also shaping our understanding of how God has made us and to what end He has made us. To know Him, to love Him, to be loved by Him. That is our greatest need and the greatest desire of our hearts. And so the Lord gives us this beautiful picture of this superlative song. It's the song of songs. Um, and the language just speaks to us. Uh, listen how this poetry just stirs us. I'm going to read from verse 8 of chapter 2 to the end of uh, our chapter division there at 3. This is the woman speaking. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. Until the day breeze and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. This is God's holy and enduring word. Let's pray together. Lord God, tune our hearts and our minds into your word this moment. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illumine this beautiful poetry to us, that you would guide our understanding and application of it, for we need your help in these moments. Lord, we thank you for this song. Help us to listen, not just now in this time that we are here together, but in each day that you give to us, the sweet love song that you have made. Um, go before us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, being social creatures, we are made to share life together. We are made for relationships. Or those relationships are in our own biological families, relationships with extended families, the spouse or potential spouse. Made for relationships 
here in the church. And something we've witnessed over this last year is that both building those relationships, enjoying those relationships, that's all been strained one degree or another in this last year. Extra time together uh, because of the response, national responses, state responses to a spread of a virus. In some ways it's been healthy. I know that's been some of our experience. More time together has allowed us to uh, focus on some areas where the speed of life just keeps us zipping right by. But in other ways, our reactions, voluntarily or involuntarily, have strained relationships or made this very challenging. Times where we have just not been able to be in the same space and share life together. I have this pandemic snapshot in my mind of this couple sitting outside the window and their aged loved one is on the other side. And they're, they're, all three of them are in masks, outside and inside. And they're writing on a piece of paper and putting that paper up against the glass. And the hand of this dear loved one is up against the glass. And you can just see it in her eyes that she wants to be held. She wants to touch, to be together. Um, And in our passage this morning, we find these lovers who are getting closer together, but they are prevented from that embrace. They're not together yet, but they really, really want to be. And so just this, this space that's between them, they want to see it go, to way, go away. They want to bridge that gap. And they want to do so at the proper time, which is getting more and more difficult, which is something we understand well. I mean, even what we've experienced in this last year. We're prevented from seeing those that we love or prevented from building on relationships. And so this couple in this song faces that challenge. They're apart. They want to be together. They're waiting, but they are, there's an alertness here. They're they're being watchful in this time of waiting. And again, we're going to look at what what is real and ideal about this relationship, what we can learn about our own relationships and the power and goodness of the sexual desire and how this propels our thoughts towards something greater the very love of God in Christ for his bride so this whole I mean we're just at the end of chapter two here we're gonna take some larger sections but this whole poetic expression of love and desire we're hearing creation song we are hearing this unashamed beauty and joy of companionship with our God that we've been made for So the Creator gives men and women marriage and the marriage bed as a a picture, a pattern that He uses to shape uh, His people. Um, So we we find this just uh, beautiful snapshot here as human beings by design to know our God and be known by Him. And so as we read this, the goosebumps, the warm cheeks, maybe even the arousal with this love poetry is meant to woo us, to draw us deeper so that our affections move to our first love, our beloved. So last week we spent, uh, we spent a little more time introducing this song and the direction that we were going to take and how we approach it. So I want to just jump right in here with how uh, this woman is responding. And she's responding by being startled. She hears the voice of her beloved. Um, 
Maybe you get that knock at the door and you open the door and there's that friend or that family member that you haven't seen in forever. And so you light up or scream or whatever it is you do and you're really excited because they're there. Or you're the child who's waiting for mom or dad to come home and you hear the car pull in the driveway. You hear the garage door open. They're, they're home. They're here. So she hears her Superman coming to her, leaping over, not leaping over tall buildings. What are they? They're, they're mountains and hills. All right, mountains and hills like a gazelle. And that gazelle is a beautiful picture in ancient love poetry. It's a picture of this man's energy, this man's sexual energy. He's ready to go. He's bounding to his beloved. But then he stops short. He stops at this wall and is gazing at her beckoning her to to join him to come away with him why is he doing that because it is springtime this is verses 10 through 13 it is springtime for their love things are lush and green and starting to starting to bud everything about springtime says be fruitful and multiply Um, the figs are ripe let's enjoy each other let's let's be fruitful and give expression to our ripening love. Um, now, I don't, I don't think this uh, shepherd is actually encouraging her to throw all cares to the wind, um, you know, do away with any restraint and run away with him um, before love is ready. But he's ready. Um, and he speaks to her as this dove in the clefts of the rocks. What an interesting picture because doves are, are timid they're, they're pretty defenseless creatures. They have to flap away, and you've seen them, and they, they hide in, you know, maybe it's under the bridge where we've seen them, but they hide in these clefts of a rock because that's where they feel safe and secure. Um, and given what we've learned about this woman, what we read in chapter 1, she may still be a little intimidated, uh, maybe a little hesitant to join him. She's going to need to feel safe and secure with him and his words and actions are going to need to assure her of this then we get her response and i really think her response begins in verse uh, 15 and goes through verse 17 there and it's it's either a playful invitation to explore the landscape of her body uh, which we find similar language later on in the poetry which does mean that or there's a sense here of uh, not yet not not yet um, turn, turn away, my young stag, until the day comes. Um, that, that's a direction I'm leaning in because of the warning we find in verse 15. Their, their love relationship is or will be challenged, even threatened at times. Um, so I, I think the woman is speaking here. She, she's not naive to the challenges that their growing romance is going to face. Foxes are sneaky and destructive in the vineyard. I mean, this could be anyone, anything that endangers their intimacy. So even in what sounds here like these sort of hormones ramping up and going crazy, there seems to be an awareness of this. Don't, don't rush. Don't stir love until it's ready. Catch the foxes, those little rascals that can easily make a mess of this growing vineyard of love. So with that then, how does it shape our own view of relationships and and intimacy? Here, we hear this anticipation, this longing to be together and to celebrate 
their growing passion, but it's not time yet. They need to, to wait. And as difficult as that can be, it's going to be worth it. Oh, so worth it. It's worth catching all those foxes that could harm this love and this desire that they have for each other. When I was 13 years old, my dad took me out for supper. On my, I think it was actually on my birthday. We went out for Chinese. And uh, we enjoyed a meal together. And then after the meal, he took out this little box and he gave me uh, a wristwatch. Um, and I wore that wristwatch for many, many years. Even passed it along to my son. And we still have this wristwatch. And there was a simple message that came with this wristwatch. Uh, he recognized I was getting older and my, my desires were, were, were growing. Um, he said the time and place to, to enjoy those desires, that, that's coming, but it's not time yet. And so that, that watch would help remind me that it was not time yet. That, that time would come if that was God's plan and purpose for me. Um, now, did wearing that watch make the waiting any easier? No, it didn't. Far from it at times. But it was an important message. Uh, and so in a very real sense, this waiting it is going to be hard. It will be a challenge because of how powerful these emotions and desires can be. So don't be surprised by that. Don't be ashamed by the struggle that that is. There's nothing shameful in that. To channel sexual desire in a, and strive for purity. Purity of mind, body, affections. Both before, during, and after marriage. See, our society has really lost any concept of waiting. Any concept of delayed gratification. I mean, everything, you know this, everything is instantly downloadable. You can download your, well, your money, you can have it right there, music, movies, food, sexual gratification, just click, 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 and it's all right there. Um, and not only is it, is it readily available, but the dominant message is so very clear. If it feels good, then go for it. If it gratifies in some you know, inward desire, well, then it's okay. Um, so that, that really places this love poetry, all of this song in its entirety in stark contrast to what we are being bombarded with every single day. Uh, this waiting is not going to be easy. We need help. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. A greater love to, to really stay the course here. Channel these desires in a way that honors our eternal bridegroom. We're going to come back to that, but how about these foxes? These foxes that slip into the vineyard. These foxes, could, it could be another relationship in their lives. It could be some discontentment or jealousy in relationships. The foxes could be something cultural. Think about this as we translate this to our own experiences. The way the culture talks about sexual desire and how to gratify that desire will actually desensitize us and sear our consciences. And you know how this works. The more you hear, the more you see, the more normal and acceptable the thought pattern becomes. And the more acceptable the actions become. It makes it very difficult to see and express beauty well in a Christ-honoring way. So the wisdom of this world I think about just the confusion and the, the sexual decadence that we are watching unfold 
just snowball out of control. It, it's actually not about sex and sexual gratification at all. But underneath is a, a twisted and idolatrous view of who God is and who we are. Who is God? Who are we as human beings? Who has authority? And the Apostle Paul shares in Romans 1 what happens when the truth plainly revealed is suppressed in sin. And so these are, these are worldview questions and the fruit of that the answers of the sexual revolution, that's the fox. A threat to good and godly sexuality. The importance of, of waiting and tenure, tending that vineyard until that proper time. Now, another thing to mention here is these, these foxes that may threaten the vineyard of love, um, they don't have to be something bad. It doesn't have to be some overt immorality or evil. You talk to really any couple as children, I think if we're honest, this happens at some point along the line, um, and they will say that the kids are a threat to the intimacy of their marriage. Not bad things. Love their children. Um, we, could, we could add all kinds of stuff to this that threaten the vineyard of love and sexual fulfillment in marriage. So the need to wait here, there's great wisdom here in placing boundaries, fences around the vineyard, but we know, we know boundaries can be compromised. We know how easily you can work around them. So we need a deeper love. We need a deeper commitment to the owner and the caretaker of the vineyard. And this woman, she speaks of her own body as a vineyard back in chapter 1 that we looked at last week. Um, our bodies belong to God. We have been bought body and soul with a price, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. And so we have to glorify God with our bodies. So the things that we're hearing, the things that we're seeing, the things that we think about in our waking hours and when we're sleeping are to bring honor and glory to God. The one who has made us and redeemed us. And so this process, I mean, if, if we really love Him, our desire is, is to please Him, then we will want to tend and care for this vineyard. And that's a process. That's, that's waiting. That's watering. That's pruning. And then it's waiting some more. But we know the fruit's going to be good. Oh, the, the, the consummation of our desires is going to be all the sweeter. Waiting, making it all the more wonderful. Catch the foxes. We need to guard our minds against lust and fantasy. Um, intimacy is not an easy thing. Um, it's not easily maintained. Um, the threats against intimacy in marriage and the protection of this before marriage, I mean, those threats are relentless. Um, so what if, what if we've fallen in this area? What if we failed in this area? What if we haven't waited and we have given ourselves to another outside of marriage? Hear this, the Lord has given us another day to turn. To turn away and to turn to Him, to confess our sin and bring it out into the light where, 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 where its power, where its shame has to flee. And maybe we haven't given our whole body to another, but we haven't waited in our minds or in our hearts and we've just sort of feeding our fantasies. This battle is starting younger and younger with the availability, the allure of pornography. Again, I'll probably mention the, the drug of 
sexual gratification as we move along here in our culture. But, but for now, I just want to speak briefly to the way pornography has and will affect our relationships with our spouse or, or future uh, spouse, potential spouse. You know, whether we are watching or reading pornography, it's selfishly using another man or another woman to satisfy our lust. It's really dehumanizing that other person or persons. See, pornography takes what God has made so very good and uses it as a commodity. It's almost like this human sacrifice to the God of lust and selfishness, which is the one using, right? Um, And this will have an an unavoidable consequence in the way we view men and women, the way we, we think about what is acceptable sexual behavior within marriage. It will affect that. So if if pornography is a part of your story right now or has been, you're not yet married, this is something that you will need to talk about. Something you will need to talk about early with a potential spouse. You need to be open and honest about sexual history as hard as that may be before you get to the marriage bed. Bring this into light. It may be difficult. It may be embarrassing. But it's in this light that shame, shame dies and trust is built or rebuilt. That is what you want before a lifelong commitment in marriage. So we need to have these conversations and it's no less true once we are in marriage. Um, if our bodies belong to God and God who is holy, then every part of us, every body part of us is pursuing holiness. And to do this, we're, we're accountable with our spouses. If we're a man, we're accountable with other men in the body of Christ, women with other women. Satisfying intimacy in marriage is a selfless act. I love how Pastor John Piper, he's got a great line here. He says, strive to find your greatest sexual pleasure in the greatest sexual pleasure of your spouse. You try and outdo your spouse in giving pleasure which is the very opposite of what pornography uh, encourages. Um, And then what is so often associated with accompanies uh, the use of pornography, that solo sexual gratification. Again, I'm not going to dwell on this to the relief of most of us here, I'm sure. Um, But solo sex is that celebration of selfishness. And it it is out of bounds and out of balance with God's intention for sexual fulfillment. Um, now, I can't even touch the different possibilities and circumstances that could be addressed both in and out of marriage uh, with this. But we need to hear that masturbation, whatever is used to encourage this self-gratification, goes against the grain of God's intention. Um, it moves in the opposite direction of another. I want this release, give it to me now. In a deeper love, the glory of the gospel says to God, says to our spouse or potential spouse, my body is yours, how can I serve you with it? So waiting, protecting, tending this vineyard of our own bodies or this love relationship, uh, that's going to be well worth the wait. So now it's time to follow what is real and ideal here to the lover of our souls. 
the love of God in Christ restores and heals the real. The real brokenness of our sexual desires, the brokenness of our, of our fulfillment, sexual pursuits that may be misaligned with God's intention. Colossians 1 tells us that God is restoring all things in Christ. This is a cosmic restoration that goes much deeper and includes our desires and our affections. He's restoring those things. Because all these things have been created by Him and for Him. By Christ and for Him. Now sin has really disrupted the for Him part of that. How we express our sexual desire. It no longer functions in relationship to our Creator the way that it was intended. So in marriage, or out of marriage, we serve ourselves instead of the other person. Or we serve ourselves and not our God. But the New Testament tells us that the Son of Man, the faithful bridegroom, has come not to serve Himself, but to give Himself for His bride. I mean, here's the, here's the beauty and the truth of the Gospel. The Lord loves His people passionately. He pursues them and desires to be with them. Did you hear that? He desires to be with you. And we can follow the whole storyline of the Bible, but instead of reciprocating that love, we turn from the one who pursues us. In our sin, we are the faithless bride, dirty, vulgar, choosing other lovers, other idols to give ourselves to unashamedly. And so the bridegroom himself takes our filth, takes our impurity, our, our shame all upon himself, and he cleanses us. He purifies the power of His shed blood on that cross. And He robes us with His righteousness and makes us ready for the wedding day to come. I love how a New Testament commentator, Barry Webb, he shares three aspects of love that we see over and over again in this song. Love is self-giving. It's focused on the other. There's a, there's a desiring aspect here to, to have another exclusively. And this love is committed. So the Lord Jesus, our faithful husband, conveys each of those aspects of love perfectly. I mean, to the absolute fullest. Self-giving, desire, and commitment. This is what love looks like. This is who our husband and Savior is. The love of Christ is, that, that's where the very power and source of healing uh, we can experience in our relationships. And that's what gives us great hope. Um, some of you may be hearing this today and you're thinking, well, this all sounds great. This all sounds good and ideal. But you don't know my story. You don't know how hurt I have been sexually. Or you don't know how much I have caused hurt sexually. You don't know the, the, the twists and and turns my sexual desires have taken over the years. You don't know just how trapped I am for the power of this addiction. So dear one, hear this now. God sees. God knows every part of it. And He has chosen you. He has purchased you back. And He is determined to restore and complete what He has begun. He is determined to do this. 
He may be so much more powerful than you're giving him credit for right now. With a word, God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. I mean, with, with a word, Jesus stood and he told that same creation to settle down, be quiet. Do you think he's not powerful enough to change and redirect your desires and your affections? Is he not powerful enough to, to soften and reform a seared conscience that is no longer you know, moved or disgusted by what it sees? How puny must this God be if you think that you are trapped and could never change or plot a new course when you are bound inescapably to the life of Jesus? Throw yourself. Throw yourself at the lover of your soul. Throw yourself in dependence upon Christ, the one who is capable of giving you rest and repair. Listen to Bishop J.C. Ryle. puts it so eloquently. There is comfort in Christ. He can speak peace to wounded hearts as easily as calm troubled seas. He can rebuke rebellious wills as powerfully as raging winds. He makes sorrows abate and silences tumultuous passions as surely as he stopped the storm. And he can say to the heaviest anxiety, maybe he's saying this to you right now, Peace, be still. Be still. So the love we see in this song, it is, it's exciting. This couple's anticipating. They're, they're taking steps toward being together. But it's not time yet. They must wait and catch the foxes that threaten their love. Proverbs 13 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, there are some times outside of marriage where the not yet sounds like never. Um, striving for purity, obedience, but the weight just seems to drag on and on. What is God doing? Does He not desire this for me? Um, even within marriage, I mean, there, there may be a hope deferred, a longing for a restored or healthier marriage that seems so out of reach. So we wait. We protect. We hope because God may surprise us. His timeline is certainly not our timeline. His wisdom is unsearchable. His fatherly care is so difficult for us to understand at times. And so we, we cry out and we lay these desires before Him. Whether we're married or not, there is a greater love for whom we wait. Um, so our, our wait, whatever this wait looks like, it's not going to be forever, my friends. Um, the day is coming when there will be, there's not going to be any more walls or lattice work or terrain that keeps us from our true love. So, so we're tending this vineyard. We're tending this vineyard not, not just for this moment, not just for this life now, but the life to come. The day is coming when all our hopes, all our desires are going to be fully restored, fully satisfied, and we will, we will drink at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And that Lamb, the Lord Jesus, has loved us and has given Himself completely for us. So here in our waiting, we get just, just a glimpse, just, 
just seeing faintly just how passionately and intensely our God desires us and the glory that is ours for eternity with him. Let's thank him for this song that takes us there. Lord, we do praise you for your word to us. And even when it is difficult to understand, to grasp and apply, it is your spirit that helps us and goes before us. Oh, shepherd us, O Christ, our heavenly husband, the lover of our souls. Shepherd us beyond our wants, beyond our fears. Speak peace to our hurting hearts. Restore minds and consciences that have been hurt, seared. Lord, comfort us as we look to you and long for your embrace as we look to the wedding feast of the Lamb. May that inspire us as we go into this day and in this week. In Jesus' name, amen.